This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 253, Songs, Part 3. I am Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for listening, sharing, subscribing, and coming back one more time. This is the final installment from my conversation with Brian Rainwater and Michael Eldridge on the topic of songs. And this is likely what you came to hear. Two experts on congregational song worship weighing in on what makes a good hymn, which ones have impacted them in a particular way over the years, and what makes the special hymn so special. Brian teaches music at Florida College. Michael performs music at acapellridge.com. Check the show notes for appropriate links. We've all played Name That Tune at some point. Maybe it's when you're standing in an elevator, you hear the tune, you recognize the tune, but you can't manage to put the lyrics together or remember a title. For me, sometimes I can't rest until I solve the mystery. What is it about songs that worm their way into our subconscious? And what are some spiritual songs and hymns that particularly stick with you, either musically or lyrically? Songs are tools of the Holy Spirit. One of many ways that God reaches out to us and whispers in our ear, tells us what we need to hear in the moment, and reminds us of things that we already know. Um, We know that the Holy Spirit would bring to the remembrance of the apostles things that Jesus had already told them, and I feel like that's one of the many tools that the Holy Spirit uses to remind us of things that we already know, which we learn in songs. When I was younger, what made me love a song or want to sing a song was uh, the vocal challenge and uh, what it sounded like, how cool it sounded, how high it went, or you know, if, if the basses went really low on a certain note or whatever. That, that's what drew me to a song. And now uh, I find that the opposite is true. I do enjoy vocal challenges every now and then, but most of the time I find that to be distracting. The songs that stick out to me the most and stay with me the longest are the ones that represent a feel of my life. Sometimes you'll have days where emotions run higher or happiness, sadness, but you almost always have this baseline emotion, um, longer chapters in your life that can be summarized by a certain song. And for me, at least right now, over the last five years or so, that song has been My God and I. It's a song that some people are okay with. Most, Most of the time, it's a middle of the road song for most people. Most people don't have a strong feeling for it or against it, although there are outliers. But for me, it it matches the tone of my life right now. I'm looking forward to heaven, and I just want to be back in the garden with God. And I look forward to that day when this earth shall pass, and with it come in trifles, but God and I will go unendingly. And then there also have been chapters in my life which longer periods of challenge and struggle and sadness where... Jesus draw me ever nearer has been my anthem for that year or for that two or three years where I've been struggling. And that song just keeps coming back to me because it, it seems a melody that is already ringing in my heart and it just matches, matches what I'm feeling and gives me words to say in, in some cases where I don't have the words, I, I don't, have the ability to vocalize what I'm feeling. It's like, you know, Romans chapter eight, where we have these groanings in our heart that can't always be translated in words. Sometimes we find songs that help us get a little bit closer to vocalizing what we've been feeling for a longer period of time. Yeah, very good. 
I agree with that. And yeah, you brought up uh, Jesus Draw Me Ever Near. That is one I had on my list here too. And that's one where, you know, the words aren't, uh, you know, they're layman words. You can understand those. I mean, they're not overly simple. You know, they're not childish or anything, but but uh, they're layman words and we can understand them as we sing them. Then that's a song that is not complicated musically, but it's very effective. To me, I guess the way that I would explain it is it kind of stays on the same chord for a long time. Mm. It has this drone quality to it, which I think fits the words because it's like, I'm helpless, Lord, but you provide stability. There's this constant drone and then boom, the chorus comes, boom, it changes to that five chord. It changes and pow, and the melody goes up. And then it goes back to the drum. You know, that's just a great example of a simple song that yet is powerful. And you brought up Be Thou My Vision. I had that on my list. That I feel like that song elevates us to the Lord in the, the, the words and the music. And it keeps his presence ever before us. And, and you talked in our last question about differences in songs over the years. And Michael, you mentioned that there were some songs that we've rediscovered my congregation. We have uh, at least two songbooks. <laughs> well, we have two songbooks and a supplemental. We like songs and we, we were open to new songs. <clears throat> the songbook we used to use the most was uh, songs of the church. And now we use the symphonia book, the Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs more, but we still go back to the songs of the church. Some, and I, but I was because symphonia doesn't have, yet still a couple like for example uh, there's a song i'm not sure why they don't have it it may be a copyright reason or something but uh go to dark gethsemane that one is oh i don't have the number but it's in songs of the church that is a simple song but yet it's powerful in that it says we're looking at gethsemane and things that we can learn from it it focuses on certain scenes of gethsemane and it says because of what Jesus did, learn of Jesus Christ to pray. And then it talks about the cross and it says, learn of him to bear the cross. And then talks about his death and says, learn of Jesus Christ to die. And then talks about his resurrection and, you know, let us rise also learn of Jesus Christ to rise. It is such a powerful, that is definitely worth checking out. But I was grateful that the Symphonia book included some things that haven't been in some of our recent songbooks. Meekness and Majesty is another one that I was glad that was rediscovered. That one just talks about the fact that, you know, Jesus, he came to earth, you know, as a child and as a human, and yet he's God. And it says it in such a profound way, and the music is moving. One more song I would mention, and that's by Richard Morrison, Are You Weighed Down? I don't know if you're familiar with that one. First time I heard it was when he led it at a singing. I was like, wow, his harmonies are beautiful. He sings in a barbershop chorus, so he, he knows a lot about harmony. And the words are, again, just very accessible words, but it, they really speak to the heart. You put the words and the music together and says, hey, are you, you know, are you feeling down in life? Go to the side and pray. Mm -hmm. Take time to do the here's here's what you do. And it's a, just a very touching song. I featured that hymn in one of the workbooks that I did about about hymn worship. Richard Morrison is a is a real gifted songwriter i think i 
love the story. I don't know if you know it behind Be With Me, Lord. Lloyd Sanderson was a, a music writer and he wrote, like, for instance, Buried with Christ, My Blessed Redeemer. A new creature. A new creature. Thank you. He had this terrific line for music, but instead of like 8 8 or 8 6 or 8 7 or something, the, the phrase progression was 11 10, which is really, really awkward. It's, he really loved the music, but he didn't have any idea how any words could be put to it. And so he contacted his friend, Thomas Chisholm, who wrote the lyrics for A New Creature and uh, sent him this music. Can you possibly come up with some kind of lyrics behind this? I got the story from Brother Sanderson's son, by the way. So this is authentic. And in the meantime, Thomas Chisholm had this poetry that he just absolutely loved. But it was in this weird 1110 structure that he didn't think there was any way that you could ever have music to fit with it. He'd already written Be With Me, Lord, without the music. And it just happened to, to cross paths in the mail like that, just being written in two different places with no cooperation at all. It's good fast. It's good slow. It's good at weddings. It's good at funerals. You can talk about Be With Us, Lord, and change it up a little bit and make it a group thing instead of an individual thing. It just seems perfect for for every occasion, and and it's it's touching, it's heartfelt, it's not difficult to sing. I used to pick nits a little bit with the third stanza about how this this constant sense of thy abiding presence that it seemed a little bit fuzzy to me, a little bit uh, charismatic, but there really is no feeling like that. It's not a better feeling necessary, but it is incomparable. This this knowledge, this confidence that you have in your heart that God is with you, and it does sustain you in a very real sense, in a way that other manifestations of God's love, God's mercy don't necessarily do. I, I find that hymn to be just tremendously impactful. Yeah, 1110 is good. You have enough syllables to say what you want to say. And you're not stuck in the box of six syllables or seven or sometimes even eight. But the other nice thing about 11 syllables is that you can breathe too. So songs that are just eight, 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 there's nowhere to breathe ever. <laughs> and you might have a lot of great syllables, but there's nowhere to breathe. And it makes it awkward when you're singing this song because you end up taking a really short gasp in the <laughs> middle of phrases where you really want more continuity. You know, if you sing six syllables, that's um, enough room to breathe, but not enough time to say anything meaningful. So, yeah, 1110 is nice. And it also is very satisfying to say. Just, just to recite the lyrics of Be With Me, Lord, is I feel like a poet just saying it, you know, because it's like this. It's a little bit longer. It's more meaningful. It kind of flows. And, I, yeah, I feel more like a Walt Whitman while I'm reciting them to myself. Do you have any particular uh, feelings about songs that have these and thous in them as opposed to you's? Because I know some people bring up that sort of thing. Oh, well, we don't talk that way anymore. But I don't know. There are some songs that, you know, uh, Be Thou My Vision, it just seems really appropriate. It just there's a, that language is kind of loftier. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, Do you have any particular uh, insights on that? I feel like you know it when you see it. There, especially if there's a new song that's written specifically for that language, you can do it, uh, but it's always best to use vernacular, whatever that is for whatever time. Like you said, Be Thou My Vision, 
that sounds right to me. Um, but then if you were to like with be with me, Lord, if you were to write a new song that would say, uh, be with me, Lord, no other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow could with this one compare. That's a little bit more wordy. Um, but be with me, Lord is an old favorite. It feels right for that song. Um, it doesn't feel like it's insisting upon itself by using a language that is beyond the singer. But um, I'll go back to you. You know it when you see it. And um, if we're trying to overly formalize a song by using these and thines and thous, when we really should just make it more personal and more real, more real by saying you, oh Lord, you, you know it when you see it. All things being equal for evangelistic purposes, I would rather have contemporary language. I think it's more accessible to the average person who doesn't know, be thou my vision from a hole in the wall. But I have a much bigger problem with modernists who have contempt for the old guard or for the old guard who think that modern language is dismissive of culture or the King James Version or whatever. It's much better for us to find a way to commune with one another in common ground. And probably the best way to do that is to sing both. I, I wouldn't be dogmatic about that, but I know for, from a selfish standpoint, there are a lot of the and now songs that I don't want to give up. And there are a lot of you and your songs that I'm very eager to to sing. I'd, I'd really have, rather have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There's There's one particular contemporary song that and a lot of the contemporary ones were written for a band or at the very least written for a guitar or piano or or something like that and so they don't translate very well Uh, mary did you know does Uh, and i don't know that there'd be a convenient way to incorporate that into congregational worship but uh, there is an acapella version that voctive does with mark lowry who wrote the song that is just breathtaking and absolutely compelling and biblical as far as I can tell. The idea of of connecting with a very important figure in the story, and I understand her story is misused by a lot of people, and I can't help that. She's a, a critical part of the Bible plan, and understanding her perspective, I think, helps us, not just in one particular month of the year, but but every month of the year understanding how compelling the Jesus story must have been for people who were right there in the middle of it. And we can reserve that same kind of awe for ourselves also. That song specifically has some challenges to incorporating it into uh, the worship setting. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably just because uh, right now it's been really pigeonholed as a Christmas song, which then you enter another discussion of should we be singing Christmas songs, which some people really care about. Some people don't care as much about, but as long as you've got a little bit of division on the matter, it's easier to stay away from that and to just not fight the battle and to maintain fellowship, which is we have a tough enough time singing joy to the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is a fantastic song. Some, some old, some of those older songbooks which have 
basically just said, all right, here's the section where we put all of the Christmas songs. <laughs> Number 284 to 297 is all Christmas songs. So you can either turn into those pages or stay away from it if you want. But it is unfortunate because, yeah, not, not just singing at that time of year. There are some very rich, Joy to the World especially, is a very rich song. That's one of those things that each congregation has to kind of figure out for itself and each song leader has to be aware of and uh, is wise to consider before announcing the number. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also, check out the Hal Hammonds channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, signing off.